0: You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week, my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiancé, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Zyra. She's got a fucked up story about sexual assault. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Hey, Scott.
1: Dan, how are you doing? Dan, I'm doing all right today. How are you? Uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear it, bud. I, I, I've disclosed I've got COVID. And in 2023, COVID does not feel any better than COVID did in 2022 or 2021. Is so, it
0: slightly less scary this
1: time? It, well, it's it gets less scary every time. But scraping myself off the couch for this. Well, it, it, I was going to say it was something I didn't want to do. I absolutely did want to do it. We've got Zyra here today. And how could I not want to get up for this one? How How are you, Zyra?
2: I'm doing very well. No, not as terrible as you, but <laughs> no, thank you for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. And real quick, I'm going to ask you what you're here for. Just Just give us like a quick teaser before I go into some of the housekeeping stuff.
2: Yeah. So, okay. Long story we sure will be blunt. When I'm 26. When I was 18, I was raped twice, three months apart from two different men. And, you know, having to navigate that and feeling ostracized and alone was fucking terrible. But, you know, here we are now. And so thank you for giving me the space and platform to talk about stuff that needs to be talked about.
1: Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. And I am just going to say that uh, I always feel a little uncomfortable with the way I start and being like, well, we're excited or we're, you you know, these are (laughs) fucked up stories and I don't want it to come off in any way but to acknowledge that they're fucked up stories but we're all here because we've gone through it we've survived and we've come out stronger on the other side so really quickly i my, my housekeeping stuff is the same every week and if you guys would just get these tattoos and and follow us on our uh, social media i wouldn't have to do them every week if but, we get
0: 25 people to sign my petition <laughs> to not get a tattoo scott will see, stop talking about see, it every I, week
1: I, I've got I've got three or four legitimately. So Zyra, we're we're doing a thing. I'm paying for up to five people to get a decent fucking human tattoo, uh, either decent fucking human or DFH if you don't want swears on your bodies. Uh, I've given that offer out a bunch. I've got I've got about five people who swear they're going to do it, but nobody's pulled the trigger yet. Uh so you can cut them in line if you want, Zyra, or, or you can find recommend any of your friends and if they want to do it. I think there are so many shitty human beings out there that we, we need to identify ourselves, let the world know. So yeah, if 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 you're interested, we'll we'll do that for you.
2: Okay, you know what? I got tattoos. I've been having go. an inkling of wanting another one. So you know what? We'll have to talk about this after then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that is such a definite yes. I mean, for anyone who didn't recognize that, that was not blowing us off to talk about it, to just never talk about it again. I, I'm sure of that. Um, but all right. So the tattoos, remember Dan still says I'm not going to get a single person. So let's get it up to five people. Uh, and then, of course, our social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, follow us at at Positively Terrible. And then forgive me today as I struggle through some of this. Again, uh, I'm going to blame the COVID for this week's episode for my performance. Zyra and Dan are going to do an amazing job. So back to you. So Zyra. First, I, I will throw out there that you and I met recently online through podcasts, guest exchange stuff, and you know, you're looking for people and me, us, we, wow, I am struggling to talk. Dan you're and I great. looking for people to be on ours. And uh, so before we get into anything, we'll just say, let people know. Uh, and then we'll talk about it later at the end that Zyra is host of her own podcast called Complex Like Wine. But we'll get to that in a bit. So Zyra, you said that that you were sexually assaulted twice in in 3 months
2: yeah so you know i you know when you hear from a friend a family member someone that you know they they share with you like okay i've i've been sexually assaulted molested raped whatever word they use that's hard to hear mm-hmm. but it has definitely been very hard for me to process and for my family to process that i underwent that twice 3 months apart with different totally different circumstances. And Mm -hmm. I think like some of the biggest things I definitely want to share is the way I mentally processed it was out of survival. And that's why I'm I'm more than happy to come here and share my story because I wish somebody had shared this type of story with me when I was 18. And, you know, I'm hoping that whoever listens out there that they maybe can get something out of it, or maybe even that they want to reach out to me, go find a therapist, or find somebody that's healthy for them to share, that they feel courageous enough that they mm-hmm. can do that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're here to do that. And clearly, that's something that we believe in pretty strongly here that, you know, we're a community of decent fucking humans. Get the tattoo. And, <laughs> You know, talking and processing and finding therapy, and that—that's what we're all about. So, I thank you so much for willing to be to be here and share. So, can you tell us just a little bit about Zyra as, as a teenager? Then,
2: yeah, yeah. So, I grew up in Southern California. I, you know, I went to private Christian school, so that was kind of like the the environment of my high schools mm-hmm. for people. You know, if they're curious about context. I grew up in a pretty rough household. You know, my I love my dad. He's fantastic mom and dad to me, but I grew up with a pretty toxic, abusive mother. And mm-hmm. so there was already all of that that kind of plays into, you know, I was struggling with really bad anxiety, depression, self-harming. You know, I was suicidal. I had tried attempting in high school. You know, okay, thankfully, love. my dad always was there to make sure nothing went down, but... That's kinda like the context of uh, people at school they would not have known for the most part. I've always been very welcoming, kind. You know, I think a lot of people always describe me as just a very nice person. Just anyone mm-hmm. could always come up to me. I've always been the ears for my friends, whatever the issues was. And so I definitely had a mask on when I was at school or just with people outside of the house. Uh I definitely bottled up a lot of emotions. And I think because I couldn't really process the way I was feeling in a healthy way. I Not that I'm blaming myself that what happened to me happened to me. But I think I wish I knew better ways to be aware of red flags in people. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely was a people pleaser. I Whatever I needed to do to not escalate a situation or make the situation uncomfortable, awkward, I would be sure to do it. And that kind of leads into, you know, being assaulted or harassed. I've definitely, before these two instances, I've experienced harassment in schools as well. And I think it's just because I didn't have the voice or the courage to know what no meant and how to say it. And yeah. just to like speak up for myself more, I think.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's survival though too, right? Mm-hmm. Is oh, it sometimes, You know, it, it, it might not be lead to the best outcome, but, you know, if you can lay low, help others, try not to bring attention to yourself, you know, there's a lot of ways to, 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 to survive. And, you know, I just want to get that out. I mean, and you did say that you're not like using that to blame yourself, but I mean, let's, let's be honest, you're, you're a child at this point, right? Um, You're growing up, you're learning and it it sounds like you know a lot of the masking that that you were doing. D- does that mean that you were were you very uh, cognizant that maybe the relationship you you specifically said with your mother, like your home life, wasn't what you needed, or it, it was off in a way?
2: You know, I it, it kind of I would say yes and no. Okay. Like in terms of my parents' relationship, I thought that was kind of the normal. And so if I was at a classmate's house or a friend's house and I would see how their dynamic was. I, get, I remember vividly, I came up to my dad one time and I was like, their parents kiss each other. That's weird. Like, <laughs> like, it's just, it's not normal to me. Or I would see, this is where I was more conscious of, I'd see female classmates or friends and their relationship with their mother was mm-hmm. very healthy. And that they were actually close and i didn't have that and so i knew there was something not normal but because my situation was my normal i didn't have any reference of how do you navigate what normal is you know what i mean
1: sure and, and i know that you know we talked about the the stories that you could get into and and you know, you 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 talked about the relationship with parents and sexual assault, and we ended up landing on the, the sexual assault piece. But all of these things are kind of interrelated a lot of times, right? And it, it feels to me like a lot of people – I'm sorry, I, I kind of lost what I was going to say here. <laughs> I am going to blame the COVID. I, I did have something very – Important. It was going to be the best point that I was going to make, guys. I, I swear to you.
2: It is all connected, though, because it's just <laughs> part of life and growing up. You know, it's all intertwined. You know, again, we're complex beings. And so yes. the way you've been brought up as a child, you know, your attachment styles, if you go into the old psychology stuff, like that's all connected and that plays out into the way you form a bond or relate with mm-hmm. other people. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's all definitely connected.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Absolutely. And it's Scott, go ahead and get your thoughts together. And I got I got some things to say. <laughs> Zara, first and foremost, I you said you were 26? I'm 26. Right? Mhm. Your emotional intelligence seems to be through the roof. I feel like the conversation and the way that you're able to discuss your uh, your emotions and your balance. Like I wasn't able to do that till I was in my forties and that's phenomenal. And also I think uh, I'm sure it has to do with the amount of life that you've been able to live already that you've had to live already. And also, you know, let me, I feel uncomfortable. And usually when I feel uncomfortable, if I talk about it, it makes me far less uncomfortable. I'd feel uncomfortable Asking questions, talking to you about a sexual assault, because it doesn't feel like I'm here to listen and to learn. And if I ask you questions that aren't correct, please let me know.
2: Oh, Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that you will. But if I say that out loud, it's going to help me <laughs> talk for the rest of this 30 minutes does that make sense
2: oh no yeah like this is a definitely a very uncomfortable conversation and to be asking a stranger online like hey tell me about your sexual assaults like no i it's totally yeah no i i totally get it so i'm just here to let you know i am not easily offended i'm here to educate (laughs) whatever questions you may have i am an open book
0: and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate your willingness to put up with, yeah, two middle-aged assholes that <laughs> have a lot of learning to do. So Better
1: than you.
2: ever. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> All
1: right. So but back, back to to growing up, when you talk about your parents, I I wasn't sure if you're saying, did did you live with both of your parents, or were they separated? I mean, were, it was one household?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, no. So we all lived together up until I was 19 when my parents finally officially got divorced and my mom left the state. So I struggled with that relationship literally up until 19. So and and during the time of my assaults and all that, 18 to 19 was probably my rock bottom of my life. I was an absolute mess emotionally, mentally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank you – that you dan that you said that like my high eq is it's definitely from the life that i have lived so far Mm -hmm. but i definitely give credit also to my dad because he it was definitely been an anchor of just how to get past it
1: yeah it's one of those things that it's an amazing uh tool set to to acquire right that emotional maturity and intelligence but sometimes you don't want to go through the things that you needed to go through in order to get to that point right
2: Yeah, no, you'll never catch me saying, like, oh, I'm so grateful of all this (laughs) shit happened to me. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah, you know, you'll never catch me saying that. But but I will say I – this may sound weird. Maybe people are going to not like this, but I am appreciative that I have gone through what I've gone through and the outcome that I have received. I think – I, without a doubt, the person I am today is because of all the shit that I went through. And, you know, I think that's just part of waking up. It's a daily choice of how are you going to wake up today? Are you going to sulk and sit? And, you know, I don't want to discredit people. I've had my sulking and sit motives. I've had my pity parties, mm-hmm. but what what are you going to do about it after? And yeah, so like, I'm never going to be like, yes, hell yeah. Like, I'm so happy <laughs> with it. but I am appreciative of where I am now and that I can now be an outlet for somebody that has gone through the same thing. And and I'll I'll quickly mention with my podcast, that's primarily what has made me continue doing the podcast because I've shared stories of that I've gone through and I'll get calls and people reaching out, sharing there. So we'll talk more about the podcast. I know at the end, but like, that's, that's just where I'm at now. Like, you know, I'm using it as an outlet to help somebody else.
1: And by no means am I saying we can't talk in the meantime, I, but you, you plug know, it, plug, you, it. plug it all you want, say the things <laughs> that you want. It's it's a great podcast. So yeah, uh, you've, you've learned a lot of these tools that, that are going to serve you well for the rest of your life. And, you know, you, I don't know how you feel right now. Dan always talks about when he was 25, 26, how he felt like he knew everything. But when I look at it and, and see the you know you do have that emotional maturity of someone that is beyond your years and when i look at it and i went through my major trauma i mean i didn't know that it was spread out over 15 years but it hit in my 40s and i'm still thankful that i'm, I'm this age this young enough to enjoy the rest of my life and to to think about the many years that you have in front of you and you know to some extent You have that leg up in a way that you don't want to have that leg up. But that's, you know, and and then I look at the generational thing and the generations that are younger than Dan and and me are learning coping skills, more productive coping skills earlier in their lives, I think as well, or at least it's more acceptable to talk about it with your peers. Maybe it wasn't in high school, as much as it is for you today. But I'm assuming, you know, from what I see, I shouldn't assume anything. But from where I'm sitting, it looks like the world is evolving in a very positive way when it comes to mental health.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to say, because I only know
1: what's going on (laughs) right
2: now. But what I hear from you know, my peer, not my, well, some of my peers, like my older friends, my, my dad, his peers, you know, Mm -hmm. my mentors, it's a lot more acceptable. Indeed. It's a lot more acceptable to share your mental health. And that's why I'm again, so thankful that I'm, I'm living when I'm living. Like, I'm glad I'm like in this space now that I can help be, uh, help push that trend forward, you know?
1: For sure, for sure. not I mean, look, that's that's what we want as well. Uh, but let's go back to high school. So yes. <laughs> you're, you're you're in high school. Your things aren't ideal, I guess is the way I'll say it to put it to put it lightly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And are you still in high school at the time of these assaults? So you, you said eighteen years old, so I'm not sure if that was in high school or not. Still,
2: so. yeah. So I'll try to explain the situation with also, you know, not getting the other people too involved. Okay. But the official date when my first assault happened was probably like a month or two, no, probably a month after graduation of high school. And this no. person, you know, was someone I was talking to that whole senior year, because I transferred high school senior year. So I was like, the new girl, of senior year, met this person, talking but now that i'm older and i can reflect i have the hindsight there were signs and events that were leading up to that you know pushing boundaries i would say no it was persistent making me uncomfortable there was one time where he was supposed to take me home we ended up parking in some random vacant street and i had a beg for him just to take me home because you know like my dad's worried i got curfew like it just there were certain things where now the, the limits were being pushed. You know, I remember prom night inappropriate touching in the jacuzzi in front of everybody. And I'm trying to downplay it because I'm not trying to make a big deal. And it's where I get upset now is, you know, these people have a whole different perspective of what was going on. They probably thought, Oh, that I'm enjoying it, that I'm letting it happen. And like, whenever, whenever I did finally come out to the, my fellow classmates of what happened mm-hmm. you know no one believed me and that's part of why i want to share because it is hard to share and tell people and sometimes you have to recognize that you know people might not believe you but yeah so right after high school graduation that happened um and i can get into what happened just so i think it's important to kind of share that because i think mm-hmm. both experiences were so very different was out with the guy, you know. Went to see a friend. Finally, time to come home. He parks in the garage of a gas station, and you know the touching starts happening. And we're in a we're in a fucking public space. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not down for that right now, you know. I I don't want to do that. And at and the time,
0: had, was- had you guys been dating at all? Like, so did, was he a make out buddy?
2: Well, like you, like it it was such an interesting thing because. His denomination of Christian was Orthodox. So he would remind me that he wasn't allowed to date me because I was not Orthodox Christian. So we weren't allowed to be in a relationship, but we were talking and hanging out and, you know, we would kiss and all that. But it's where like it progressively started getting more physical where like the groping happening, like trying to like unbutton my pants and I wouldn't want that or, you know, like just pushing as much as he could. And so, yeah, we're at the gas station parking lot and I'm telling him, no, like, stop touching me, like trying to take off my pants. And I, it was just one of those things where I realized I'm not getting out of the situation until what's done is done. And at the time I was a virgin too. And so I think that was where mentally it kind of plummeted. Because, you know, I was at the time was very trying to be protective of that and wanting to, you know, to hold on to it. Growing up in like with my values and everything, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, eventually it just had ended up being like where I knew it. It, to get home, this has to happen. And so i realized now based on the experiences I had growing up with my mother, there's you know, they talk about the flight, the fright, mm-hmm. fight. There's also freeze. I think that's yep. not talked about enough. Like, I definitely am the freeze kind of person. And so I, I totally disassociated during that moment. And thankfully, I don't remember too much. I can at least be thankful about that. My body knew enough to like, okay, let's just mentally check out for a bit. But, you know, did what he did. T- finally took me home. And... I remember kind of closing my door and immediately breaking down because I knew, oh, my fucking God. Like, did I was very confusing. Like, did I let that happen? Is it my fault? Like, was it rape? Was it consensual? I w- it was so confusing because, you know, people might want to say, well, you should have pushed. You should have said no harder. You should have yelled. Like, th- there's no right way to go right. about it. And I think that's also why I, would, I really want to, like, educate, like, If people tell you that you should have done something, they weren't there. So they don't have the right to tell you how to react because no one fucking knows how they're going to react in this situation, right? Like you, no one, you can't teach that at school. No one tells you, your parents can try to guide you, but everybody's different for context for, you know, people that are into like anatomy and all that. My periods were always on time, but after that incident, I was under so much fucking stress. My period was late a whole week. I legitimately thought I was pregnant. I took a birth control test. I was so stressed out. I almost told my dad at the time of like, this happened. I'm kind of glad I waited an extra day, finally got my peers. I'm like, okay, thank God. Like I'm not pregnant. This guy went off to Greece on a church trip and I was left by myself dealing with like, what the hell just happened? Mm -hmm. And then that kind of now transitioned to how do I process what happened. Cause I was for a long time in denial that that could potentially be rape. I didn't want to accept that. And so it, you know, kind of saw him for like maybe a few months after we had sex one more time after, but it was more on the ten- intentionality on my end. Like, okay, let me take control of the situation.
0: Yeah.
2: And, um, I didn't realize that was a survival way of processing until literally maybe two years ago. I didn't realize like a lot of people do that. So me wanting to have sex or me not really wanting, but me deciding to, that I would a- agree to have sex with him. I didn't realize that was part of me trying to process my healing. So yeah, so that's July fast forward or maybe that was August, July, or August fast forward. It's beginning of October get invited to a little kickback house party. There's people that get invited that I don't know, they're older. It's my first time drinking. And so I, obviously I get plastered. I get really drunk. I get blacked out. They this guy, I don't even know his name. I don't even know who he was, but you know, he's taking care of me in the back of the backyard. Eventually, he takes me to the room. And you know, he rapes me. And I have vague memories of, you know, him being on top and, you know, I apologize for people. Hopefully I'm not triggering anybody, but I think it's important just to share the differences of what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have vague memories of him, you know, being on top of me. That is pretty much it. I woke up the next day and, you know, I'm feeling kind of sore Feel like something's weird, but I'm so hungover and like so sick. because I was so confused. You know, I finally go to the bathroom in the morning and I see a used condom in the trash, and I was very confused. I'm like, wait, that is what happened. Mm-hmm. For context, my hung my hangover lasted three days. And as the three days passed, I started gaining more memory of him being alone with me in the room, him being done, you know, him on top of me. And I started piecing it together, like, "Holy shit! Like, did I just get raped again?" And that I think was the hardest part because, okay, it happens once; it can happen to anybody. But then for it to happen a second time, I thought, like, "Okay, there must be a problem with me. Like, I must have been asking for it." Like, there's. Like, this is on me. It has to be on me. I remember probably, like, a few days later, I was at dinner with some friends from that same group of, of kids. And I, I'm i telling them, like, hey, I think I just got raped at this party. And I remember very vividly someone that I thought was a good friend at the time. He told me, like, oh, well, it's been a few days. You would have known. So I think you're making <laughs> it up or you're getting confused. And I did, I did not say a single word to anybody for two years after that. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I did not say anything.
1: So w- that time, was that the only time that you told someone then? So, I mean, had you told anyone before that, or that was the first time they reacted poorly and then you didn't tell anyone again for two years?
2: So that was like the first time I ever said anything. So with the first person, I did not say anything just because I was so confused in denial. And because we were all friends in the same group that this is where the people pleasing and not wanting to ruffle feathers comes into play. And also there's like the denial of like, I thought this person cared about me and I thought I liked him. Like it, it can't be rape. Like, He wouldn't do that to me
1: Right.
2: versus the second time it's with a complete stranger that I don't even know who they are where I'm like, okay, this is more black and white. Like this is more clear of what this could have been. And so, yeah, telling my friends at that dinner was the first time I had ever brought the topic up. And at that point too, I also had mentioned about the other person. And so I think for them it was just, one of those unfortunate kind of classic cases where, you know, like, well, he's my friend. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. But yeah, I, that, at that point, I didn't mention it to a single person for two years. And the next person I told two years later was my dad. It, cause it had gone to the point where like the next two years where I was trying to process Mm -hmm. sex what like me like it got so much that I literally could not keep it in anymore I was so depressed and suicidal to be frank that I knew like I have to talk to my dad at least tell him and yeah that that experience was also pretty shitty I have to admit yeah yeah I
1: can't I can't imagine having to tell your father that I can't imagine your father having to hear that Mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of. There's a lot that I, I mean. We let you talk for a while there because you're, you're such a good. I, I well, I hate to call it storyteller in these circumstances, but <laughs> it's, okay. it, it's it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, You're doing a nice job of relaying the information. And one of the things that I've been thinking for a while, and I just I just thought of it again because you pointed out, like the second one was kind of the more classic what you think of or might have even been taught w- what rape is. But earlier, when you were talking about the the one who was, you know, you were friendly with, then he would try to push boundaries. I feel like, especially Dan, when you and I were kids, pop culture movies—that's what guys were almost told we were supposed to be doing.
0: Very regular.
1: It was. It was very much in movies, it was like, oh, guys push the boundaries and women say no. And that's the the role of each of you. And, you know, not only is it a mixed message that you're getting, I mean, you're, you clearly knew the second example was rape, but the first one you had to think about and process, I mean, you had to think and process about both of them. I don't know where, if I have a question that's coming out of that or just kind of it's, – it's just been this thing that I've been thinking as you're talking is that boys for a long time were taught that that boundary pushing was okay. And,
2: correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, you're kind of taught like, well, how will you know if it's okay or not if you don't push the boundaries, right? Sure, Yeah. And I think part of why it was so confusing is because growing up as females, you're taught stranger danger, like be careful, like don't take anything, don't drink anything that you haven't watched, like be careful, this guy you don't know, but you're not a majority of like rapes, sexual assaults are from a friend or family member. Like we're not taught that, that it can be somebody you know. And so I think that was a big part of my confusion was like, how can Mm -hmm. this person I've been friendly with, you know, talking to, how could he do that to me?
1: You know? yeah. and, and I'm almost, I mean, it's, it's kind of disappointing to, to learn that that's still for something is relatively recent in your life, that that was still kind of not what you were taught growing up. It, it seems that, I think you just said it, I mean, the people around you are the most dangerous usually. <laughs> um, you know, it, that should be the number one thing that's taught. And it, apparently, the, I mean, that message certainly didn't come through to you, it sounds like.
2: No. Yeah. And I think it it also probably really depends on, you know, the fi- family dynamics you grew up like, yeah, you know, like, true. thankfully, you know, my family, you know, there's, we haven't dealt with anyone that's in crime that's, you know, committed anything like that's been harmful to other people. And so in that sense, you're, you know, as a parent, you're not going to be thinking like, oh, I need to teach my child to be careful of like a close friend at school or mm-hmm. an uncle or, you know, grandfather and so I think there's just also that where it, it's hard. Like, again, no one's taught that. And I'm glad that we're having this conversation now. That way, mm-hmm. you know, listeners, whether you're a parent or listeners, you're like me, that will be a future parent. At least we can start keeping that in mind. I'm like, how do you prepare your child and how do you prepare yourself in case you unfortunately have to receive the news, whether it's from your child, a sister, brother, you know, how yeah. do you prepare for that?
1: Well, no, Dan, 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 go ahead
0: for for any gentlemen that hear this young men consent 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 talk about it ask get the yes it doesn't kill the mood but it's so crucial and you want to talk about building a relationship and being comfortable with other people it's worth the conversation i promise
1: hey uh, from what I hear, consent is sexy these days.
2: I was just about to say, consent is so fucking sexy. Like, I'm guilty you my, my last experience. Like, I asked, can I this? Can I that? Is it okay this? And you know what? I'm like, oh, yes, man. Like, you go. Like, thank you. <laughs> it's, it does not kill the mood. And I think it's It's, it's a, just- a way
0: better sell from Zyra than it is from Scott. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> so- yeah so anyway so you you just said like how do you prepare to hear being on the receiving end and that that kind of to brings me back to the conversation you had with with your father yeah i I guess i'm interested in like both sides like how you presented it to him and how you felt like he reacted
2: yeah 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 so i i had been thinking about it for probably it was like It just came up to my head. And I think it was like three days where I was really sitting with it. And I'm like, how do I tell my dad what happened to me? And I remember I was so anxious. I could not eat for days. I was so stressed out. I was so scared of how he would react. And I finally sat down. I told him like, hey, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something. And I flat out told him like two years ago, I – was raped and you know what without a blink he asked me and he said like was it this person and I was taken aback I'm like it was and he knew and I think that was really hard for me to process I'm like holy shit like was it so evident that this person was not good that I was just so blind or like I wasn't emotionally mature enough yet at the time to be aware of the red flags. And, you know, my dad needed a few days to process it where, you know, he had his space and I have to be understanding and respectful of that because it's like, it's just my dad, brother and I, like my dad and I, you know, like I'm daddy's girl all the way. <laughs> so for a dad to hear that from his daughter, like I can, I cannot even begin to imagine what that would be like. But on, I can speak to my perspective. It was really hard for me, you know, to get the reaction that I did, you know, like, mm-hmm. and to be honest, we never really spoke about it since then. Just kind of like he knew I needed to get out for my, my healing just to put it out there. After I told my dad, I told my brother and I'm thankful that my brother and I are very close and he, he's younger than me by a little bit, but he's very mature as well. He gave me a hug and he just sat and let me cry and I just want to let people know, like if you went through something, maybe it wasn't all the way, you know, penetrative rape, right? but you were assaulted, like on some level, if you were made uncomfortable at any point and you feel the need that you need to tell somebody, I hope that you find the voice that you can do that, but also be prepared. You might not get the initial reaction that you're hoping for. And it's just, just to give the other person some grace with that because it's a difficult thing. Like, it's a very uncomfortable conversation. But I promise you, whether it's like a immediate family, maybe you can go find a therapist or a close friend. There is someone out there that will know how to listen to you and give you whatever space, healing, or grace that you need in the moment.
1: Wow.
0: That's yeah. really – I don't, I don't. I don't even have the word – Powerful and gracious and to be, I mean, you are, you, you were a victim and you needed help and you talked to your father and you didn't get the reaction that you wanted or that you needed at the time and to still have the grace to say he needed space and it wasn't easy for him either. Yeah. You are, you're you're a hell of a gal. (laughs) You are. I've I've got a daughter and man, I've got, I've got, I've, I've got some feelings over here at the moment.
1: (laughs) Well, and I, I, I will say though, that my fear in hearing some of this, this is that it can be easy to lose yourself sometimes when you're an empath and, you know, when you come with your pain and also have that where you've got to help manage someone else's pain. And, you know, I've, I've certainly lost myself and put myself aside at times for the other people as well. So I I hope you've been able to come to a good place with that. and, And with, I mean, it sounds like you've got a great relationship with your father. So, oh yeah, all of that, but, <clears throat> the the one thing like you said that in in that moment you know you were wondering like if you were the only person that couldn't see it with this person was that kind of an assumption of i, I mean i mean it sounds like he didn't say much your dad didn't say much because i was almost wondering not if it was too much or if it was visible to your dad the His behavior, this, this boy's behavior, or if it was, was there a marked change in your personality or behavior after that incident? Is it maybe that he saw something change in you after that?
2: You know what? That's a really good question. And I'm definitely going to have to reflect on that. I think that, like, God, that whole year was there's so much going on. I went through a lot, whether it was like my mom or with my incidences that I think there was a huge major shift in who I was in general. Mm-hmm. Also, my dad is very in tuned, like he's very observant. So I'm, I'm sure he was aware that, you know, like this person was just not safe for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, but it, that's a really good question. Another thing I do want to kind of bring up is just kind of like the way I would processed my relationship with sex after because I think this is where I wish somebody would have been able to talk to me about, you know, I, again, I I was a virgin when this happened to me. And so I held a lot of guilt that I like recklessly lost it. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know how to process it. And so not that I slept with a whole bunch of people, but I was a lot more, careless about being in a situation where i was sleeping with people after that you know i would do my hookups and you know one night stands whatever and i thought i was taking power of the power that was taken away from me i thought like this is me taking a hold of the situation and this is me getting my voice back of like well no i'm here because i want to but now that i'm older i've realized It wasn't necessarily that. I was just confused. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I think I was just so bitter and angry with the situation that I was just kind of, you know, fuck it, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I realize now, like, me engaging in these one night stands or hookups, actually made me even more depressed. Because it just wasn't me. It wasn't I wasn't being my authentic self. I was sure. just now at the place of like, lend me a piece to somebody. And it's probably deep rooted into, you know, needing the gratification and approval of somebody. Cause I didn't get that at home. I didn't get it from this person. It it was just it was a whole twisted view. And so I just kinda wanna share with people listening, you know, if you've maybe engaged in hookups that you didn't necessarily want to, but you felt like because you could, you would to give yourself grace and healing with that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you maybe were just put in a situation that you didn't necessarily want to but because you don't know how to say no quite yet. You haven't learned how to use that power. Like you, it's just, it, it gets really messy. And I had to work through a lot in therapy to give myself grace for that. And I think that's definitely affected now my relationship with sex with like my past relationships where they would want to initiate and I wasn't initiating. And I think it was deep-rooted because I'm still dealing with the fact that I haven't resolved my own personal Mm -hmm. relationship with what does healthy sex look like? Am I allowed to have it? You know, growing up as a Christian – like, I'm supposed to be feeling guilty about it. You know, society says, like, oh, if you're having sex as a female, like, you're a whore, you're a slut, whatever. Just the negative connotation. It was just it's such a muddy place.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the what what I will say is that there's no two people whose relationship with sex is the exact same, right? There are mm-hmm. people who value and maybe benefit from having that one lifetime partner. And then there are people who are able to have it more casually and value it more casually. And in, in either end of that spectrum, as far as I'm concerned, is okay. Mm-hmm. But, what, but what I will say is that some of the things that, you know, I see that are unhealthy are the, to me, the the shame that is sometimes built into something that's perfectly natural and also the shame that you ended up feeling of having that something taken from you. Right. And, and not having that control. And, you know, that's a mind fuck, no matter what, (laughs) it's a mind fuck no matter what, what perspective we're coming from. But I also, when I look at, you know, purity culture, sometimes it's like, well, you still have value beyond the fact that you have, have or had not had sex yes. and i know that that is such something that weighs so heavily on a lot of people who have were raised in kind of that culture and it sounds like you might have been to some extent is that is that accurate it might
2: oh yeah 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 i think you know you're going to like oh save yourself and you know like that's right. what i going up until 18 that was part of what i wanted to do right And so, yeah, there was the purity culture and the whole thing of like, you think your value is based on the status of your virginity. And now because that's gone, you're tainted, you're disgusting, ugly, whatever society tries to put on. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of work through therapy to realize like, just because I'm not a virgin anymore does not mean I'm not a good person i'm not a decent fucking human being right Like, (laughs) i'm I'm not tainted i'm not worthless like my value is still held very high and that's more like i have to make the choice to carry myself that way like that's a choice that i need to make a promise to myself like i'm going to view myself this way because i fucking am not because someone else is telling me to it's because i innately am
1: hell yeah absolutely i I like it so I think then that it, it, it sounds like we're, we're, we're crossing that bridge into the positive parts. Um, so
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Dan looks like he's got something to say oh, first. Oh, I got something to say. <laughs> no, I was
0: just wondering, so, you know, we've made it through your assaults. It's two years and you've been at your lowest. You've spoken to your father, you've spoken to your brother, You've talked about it to someone finally now. And then you kind of jumped ahead to like, you've been through therapy and it was great. How do you get from from being at your lowest, finally telling your family to therapy into healing?
2: Mm-hmm. Where's yeah. that
0: transition happen?
2: You know, I I think innately I'm a very resilient person. So Clearly. once I was <laughs> thank you. Once I was able to finally tell people, I think there I was able to disconnect myself from the identity I was carrying that I'm broken. Yeah, I was finally able to put that aside, like, that is not me. Mm-hmm. Granted, I even now still have my bad days. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, honestly, I think my one of my ex-boyfriends was a decent part of my healing. He was very... Attentive to what I went through, understanding, respectful. And I definitely have to give him credit to that. And I think this is also something for people out there, you know, be really intentional how you feel with your partner, you need to feel safe. And I think part of the journey for me is learning what does safe look like. I think that was a big one. Like, do I feel comfortable with this person? Are they respectful of my boundaries? Are they respectful that sometimes in the middle of sex, I do get triggered and I will break down and cry. And it's just my body's response, like muscle memory. And I think also I was was now in college after the two years where I was now out. You know, my mom was gone. That was also a big part of it. The household was now healthy again. I was able to like be myself, going to school, was kicking ass. You know, now I have new friends. Just busy. I think the being busy is what helped me, but that was also not the solution because you know yeah. eventually things resurfaced and I had to go to therapy for
1: it. Oh, it's it's real easy to avoid when you're busy, right?
2: <laughs> oh, and I am. I'm the queen of that. I can get really busy and we'll we'll deal with this another day, you know? For sure. Yeah. So I think, and to kind of sum it up, you know, I started investing my time in things that are productive for me. So that was me getting my degree, going to school, Mm -hmm. you know, learning by trial and error, sometimes not greatly what safe looked like, having to cut off relationships that were tied to the people that assaulted me. This is another kind of fucked up story. So, one of my exes, I'll try to keep it as anonymous as I can, mm-hmm. was best friends with the first person that assaulted me. And when I had finally told him the two years later, he didn't do anything about it. He still kept the friend for a bit. And so, when him and I eventually started dating, that was a big conversation we had to have for, is this person still in your life? Because if he is, then I don't even know if we can still be friends anymore. And so just having to navigate all of the messiness of that and, you know, now that person, my ex is no longer my life. I think that was also another part of the healing where like that chapter is completely closed and just having to be honest with yourself of needing therapy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly as well, the podcast has been a huge part of my healing. The second episode I ever put out, which was the first one with the guests was on sexual assault Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed to start with that episode cause that's a huge one. It's not talked about enough and it's now got me to the mentality where I'm at now where I'm like, if I can be an outlet for somebody, like if somebody listening from this gets something or some like something yeah. out of it that that and it makes all of all this shit worth it to me, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, virtual high fives coming from my way. I, I think this <laughs> is great. I love it. And, and you know, clearly I, I've had some trauma that I have very much wanted to talk about on my podcast. And I feel like just the act of talking immediately, for me anyway, strips some of the like shame and embarrassment and, and those things. Once it's out in the world, you can say it out loud. And I, now, on the other hand, though, I've heard from women in the past and I've heard a little bit from you that it's not that quite that easy with sexual assault because so many people don't respond in a supportive manner. So what would your advice be for someone who, you know, you have a friend or a family member comes to you and shares that they've been assaulted?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would say the first thing, this isn't about you. This is about the person. So You're dealing with a lot of shit, totally valid, but you need to get out of your head and be there for this person. None of this, well, what were you wearing? Well, did you say no? Well, did you push back? None of that. Don't ask intimate questions unless they're the ones initiating to share the intimate details. You know, I I think like here's a different situation because I'm here to talk about it. But with someone that has just gone through something, they don't probably don't want to tell you exactly everything that happened because they're still trying to process what the fuck happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, my biggest advice is just listen. Be that space. Do they want a hug? Maybe they don't even want to be touched because of what they experience. The big, the simp- the simplest things. Just ask, what do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. How can I be here for you? Do you want to go report it? If you don't want to report it. Do you want me to help you find a therapist? If you don't want to even want to do that yet, which is totally okay, what do you want? What do you need from me? Like, how can I best serve you in this moment? Mm-hmm. I think that goes such a long way. I really wish someone had given me that space, and it, just from speaking as like a victim, you know, like it, that would mean the world. If someone had asked me that, it would have meant the world.
1: Yeah, and even in a very a, a scenario that is much less intense understanding what someone needs from you in a moment is always kind of the the, the best route to go you know a, and I, I i will say you know there's a lot of times men get the reputation as being a uh, want to solve the problems for people or jumping in mm-hmm. with the answers and you know i don't i don't know if it is truly a male thing, you probably have opinions on that. <laughs> but I had a, a friend to a strong word. I met someone a couple a year ago, and we talked on talk on occasion, but you know aren't close friends or anything. And one of the things she told me was that in her group of friends, when someone comes and has something to vent about or bring up the the they have an agreement. That, I mean it's a spoken agreement. The the response to that is, okay, what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you need someone just to listen? Do you need someone to jump in and say, yeah, fuck that guy? Um, or what what can I do that's gonna be, you know, that's gonna be helpful right now, instead of just assuming, um, and I think that that's that's a really good thing is to to you know, it, it isn't always super easy to ask, but, uh, you know, you can catch the vibes that they're giving off and you can ask the questions and, you know, it, it's always safer to to do what they need <laughs> to find out what they need from you than to just assume you've got the right thing to do or say or, or to give to them. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, I always say when in doubt, just ask. And this yeah. ties into the whole consent thing. When in doubt, just yeah. ask. Like yep. it, easy, it like it might be awkward. It might be like, how do I ask this? But once you do, it's like it's easy peasy. Like everything just like falls into place. So yeah,
1: nobody, nobody's gonna get pissed at you for wanting to give them what they need in that moment.
2: <laughs> and if they are, they probably need to see a therapist. You know, like, it, it's, like it's not a personal thing. You true, know,
1: <laughs> true. In fairness, most people need to see therapists. Yeah, but this is all. very true. Yeah, but so let's get to your uh, podcast a little bit. Then you mentioned you started it off. Early on, to uh, uh, on on an episode about sexual assault because that was you you needed to. Why did you start a podcast?
2: So for context, I got my bachelor's in film directing and screenwriting. I graduated twenty twenty, so right as the pandemic happened, so that meant no jobs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I applied to grad school. I applied for jobs, nothing, and had my quarter life crisis of like what the fuck am i going to do now? But i am a creative, i love making projects, i love podcasts already. Then with the pandemic, you know, i started going to therapy for the first time and that's when i really took seriously mental health and learned mm-hmm. a lot. And i started having the tug of i want to create something but i want it to help people. Like how can now how can i put something out there that people can benefit from? And so that's how my podcast Complex Like Wine came about. I named it Complex Like Wine because I'm also a big wine person. I worked at a winery. You know, if you go wine tasting, you learn, like, there's complex wines because there's layers and depth. And, like, well, we're basically that. We're complex beings, you know? Sure. So I was like, you know, perfect. Let me combine my two favorite things, talking about my mental health and drinking a (laughs) glass of wine. Boom. And so – I started the podcast and every episode I bring on a different guest that we touch on a range of topics. And when I first released it, it was in April, April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And so I knew I needed to start the podcast with that. And thankfully, the guest of that episode, she was actually kind of an inspiration to me because she had been open about her experience with sexual assault. And so I knew that she was vocal about it. And graciously enough, she agreed to be on the episode with me. And everything kind of just took off from there. Um, Friends that I had been friends with for years told me their experience that I never expected would have happened
1: Yes, isn't that just amazing? How once you show some vulnerability, that suddenly everybody like I I I've said before that I want a shirt that says "Your friends have trauma too," because it's like I nobody knew I didn't know about the traumas of so many people I knew until I started saying "Fuck it," I'm just going to tell the world.
2: It's and that has been my biggest intention since the podcast, like. If I'm asking people to be vulnerable on my platform, yeah. I have to be vulnerable too. <laughs> For sure. like I have to put my shit out there. And so it has been a very amazing experience, sometimes scary. Like releasing that first episode, I was like, yeah. holy shit. Like people that might know me from high school that know this person, is it going to bite me in the ass that I'm coming out? Like. My family, like it was just a whole thing. And you know what? I don't regret a single thing at all. I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad it's brought me now to the place where I've met you guys and I can share this story on your platform. Yeah. And, but yeah, so my podcast Complex Like Wine, I started season two and that's how I met you guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, I release episodes every week on Wednesdays. It's on all platforms, YouTube, nice. Spotify, Apple, all of that.
0: You've got a great looking website. I'm on Thank it right you. now. All
1: right. Thank you.
2: It, I still it, need some tweaks, but I you know I just built a website, which is cool. <laughs> nice.
1: If, if there was a starting point, uh, other than just starting from the beginning, is there a favorite episode or something you're really proud of that you'd like to point people to if they want a, a, a good taste of what your podcast is?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Damn, <laughs> there's. I think I have a put you few. on the
1: spot. I okay. put me on
2: the fucking spot. So yeah, I would say so too. The sexual assault one, because that's a very vulnerable thing, especially for me. Like, if if it comes up in conversation, I've always been very open about it. But to be open on open on the internet.
0: <laughs> so you can't make that like your first thing to be open about. <laughs> like you don't have any practice <laughs> at that point, you know?
2: Yeah. I was like, Hey, surprise world. Like, look at me. I was assaulted. No. <laughs> now I'm going to talk about it.
0: All right. Strong start.
2: <laughs> so I would say that one, one with one of my buddies from film school with Luke Keller house for people curious. It's on, you know, male body dysmorphia. And then we did another episode on just kind of like the feminine and masculine because I think that's also really important to talk about. I would say my first episode of season two, which is on breakup psychedelics and all that. I, you know, breaking out out of my hiatus, I had to go through my own healing and processing of what I want to do. So that was just a big one. I was proud of to like actually start up again That one's really fun. It's with another good friend of mine, Isaiah Leone. Nice.
0: That's episode 33.
2: Episode 33 for people listening. And then, you know, I actually did an episode. It's not released yet. Um, It will be released soon. But someone else reached. We're
0: getting a teaser right now, everybody. You're getting some teasers right now. So
1: I have two that are
2: coming out that I'm really excited about. One is with a gentleman. He has schizoaffective disorder. And then one is with a girl that she has autism, but now she is a speech coach and therapist for children that are on the spectrum or with some disability. So it's now expanded to a wider audience. I've had guests from different countries now that will be released. So, Anyway, there's throughout the whole thing for different reasons. I'm very proud of it.
1: You should. (laughs) Well that's Well, notice she didn't bring up being excited for the episode that I recorded with her.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. (laughs) I (laughs) No. (laughs) No, that's (laughs) okay. That's (laughs) okay. Well, teaser, everybody. We already recorded an episode. It will be released out probably within like the next month or so. But that was also, a very good episode. I'm not just saying this just to say it, but no, it was really good. And it's it's so cool now that I'm getting to collaborate with other podcasters, and we get to share in each other's platforms the importance of mental health. Yeah. So I just want to say I'm very appreciative for you guys. Yeah. This has well, been a fun you. episode.
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's it. I have enjoyed it as well, and I love to see. You know, we we've looked looked around when we were starting this, at a lot of mental health podcasts, and there was a lot that were like clinical ones, and a lot. I I feel like you know the ones like yours and the ones like ours that are just normal people talking about some shit that they went through or other people went through a very real and you know i like the vibe of yours and i love the name i think that god i always talk about how just everything in life is so complex and everything is there's no black and white and there's it's just i, I like I don't know. that
0: it i i like that it Usually, when we talk about complex, it's a negative, right? That's so complex. She's complex. But wine when we talk about the complexities of wine it's it's a virtue of wine, right And that's uh, kind of the human experience.
1: Wow it, she this is gonna be your are you going to well, I, I ruined it by talking. You can take my voice out of the track. We can take that fifteen seconds and give it to I, you. Yes. and you can use it for an advertisement.
2: I know. Yeah. I'm going to have to have Dan be like, yo, speak for my ad, my little (laughs) promo hype me up, sir.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to do it. You are very (laughs) hypeable.
1: All right. Well, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. This this was really enlightening. And I I, I'm going to say that as a middle-aged man, um, You know, I've learned more and more and more, especially if we go back the last 10 years and Me Too and everything. I think that it's safe to say that a lot of men have learned a lot of things that maybe we didn't want to know about.
0: I sure fucking hope so.
1: And Mm -hmm. yeah, and and, and it's it, it. even at times it has been an uncomfortable place because like I said before, the movies we grew up on a lot of times promoted the type of behaviors that result in terrible things. And even if it's not terrible things, just uncomfortable situations and and this dynamic between men and women, but quite probably way too often, it's pretty terrible things that come out from it. And I'm sorry you went through that, but I'm super humbled and and grateful and honored and all of the words that I like to use uh that you were willing to come on here and and share and especially again I can't help but but throw out the the middle-aged guy uh factor cuz you know not everybody likes to talk to us people they, people think we talk <laughs> about ourselves too much anyway but yeah I, I'm so appreciative of it and you are absolutely uh, emotionally mature and, and wise and I'm very impressed and I wish you all the luck and hope that your podcast goes on forever and ever I think everyone listening should take a listen, have a listen, download a couple episodes and yeah that, that, that Dan looks like he wants to say something real quick
0: yeah. uh, all Zyra's contact info is going to be uh, right there in the show notes that's all All
1: right. well thank you Zyra, this episode as always has been absolutely positively terrible.
2: Thank you guys. I met you back
0: a ton and confess I confess I was nervous and stressed because I thought you were
1: Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.